yeah, it, it was just this crazy accidental journey. But I knew, I knew from from day one, I was like, this is so much fun. You know, I never had that moment in college. I've never sat in a lecture and been like, oh man, bioreactors are so much fun. It was it was at that kind of moment I was like, yeah, let's 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 see what's what's in this. That was, of course, our guest for today, Owen Sheen. You can hear more from Owen very soon. But first, a big thank you to Country Munch for sponsoring this episode. Country Munch are a healthy meal prep service delivering fresh, home-cooked food to your doorstep. Based in Limerick, they offer breakfast, lunch and dinner, and you can find out more about them at countrymunch.com. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Welcome to episode number 112. Today we spoke with Owen Sheehan, TV personality, chef, food entrepreneur, and owner of Country Munch. Nothing grows in your comfort zone. Owen graduated a chemical and biochemical engineering degree from the University of Limerick, but he's now one of Ireland's brightest entrepreneurial talents under the age of 30. Now an active food blogger posting cooking recipes, tips, and photos daily on all social platforms, Owen is the resident chef on Virgin Media's six o'clock show on TV. He also frequently delivers online cookery demonstrations. This episode we talk about humble origins but a passion for cooking and nutrition country munch began from owen's kitchen preparing meals for a few we talk about economies of scale media production burnout and when critical decisions in business need to be made to self-preserve but also to make successful profitable businesses country munch prides itself on fresh easy to prepare and cook food and a focus on homegrown produce we open up a dialogue as to what focus Owen took for this business and his vision for it. We talk about engaging content through food, communicating and showcasing what Owen's job really boils down to. Thanks for joining us, Owen. Owen Sheen, thanks so many for joining us. We know you're already after taking a few interviews this morning, so we're happy to fit into the schedule today. How are you doing? My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm great. I'm great. Thank God. I always try and like tunnel these into one day. So I just, I do a full day of talking and then another day of all TV stuff. So <laughs> I'm trying to be as efficient as possible. But no, I'm great, lads. I'm great. It's a nice sunny day here in Limerick. So we're, we're doing the best we can. And look, you've, you've mentioned the hometown there, Owen. Can you share with the listeners maybe across the pond in particular where exactly home is for you? Yeah, so I'm I'm from West Limerick, uh, out in the out in the sticks. So I was, I was born on a farm. I'm living in the city at the moment, but um, yeah, I suppose everything that I've done, or, or I suppose all of my life, I grew up in West Limerick, out in the countryside on a farm, and I suppose a lot of things that I do today, I I credit to growing up on a farm. We've looked into a lot of your stuff you're doing. You're doing an awful lot for a young man. Do you want to tell us a bit where your journey started? Yeah, so I'm I'm 24 years old. I, as I said, there grew up in West Limerick on a farm, and I think a lot of a lot of the things that I learned there is that I've always been around good food, uh, and I suppose what I do now, everything I do revolves around food. But growing up, you know, it was a dairy farm, so we had you know fresh milk. We changed to beef then when I was about 12, so then we had our own beef. I always had our own vegetable garden, our own potatoes. Um, so, you know, nearly self-sufficient and always knew what good quality food was. So um, I am a qualified chemical and biochemical engineer. I've never worked a day in my life as an engineer. But that's how things go. Uh, and, you know, when I left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I was good at maths. I was good at chemistry. And my friends were going to UL, University of Limerick. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go with you lads and figure it out. Googled how much a chemical engineer makes. The money was pretty good. So I was like, I am laughing here. This will be perfect. 
I had got to college, realized that it wasn't for me, accidentally started a meal prep business, fell into the food world, and four years later, I'm, I'm still here trudging away. So it's been this kind of crazy whirlwind experience, but uh, I'm lucky that I kind of found what I was passionate about and what I was good at, at like eight, 19 years old. And I suppose being that age, being young and not having much commitments, I've been able to just double down and, and ride that wave so far. And, and so far, so good, thank God. And love that piece you said though about kind of the mix between what you're good at and kind of what you wanted to do and, and the timing just seemed to be right for you. But um, you had some interesting early adventures into the cooking space would you share with the community a little as to what those early days were like really yeah so i i moved out of home left mammy moved into university of limerick i've always been able to cook uh, really heavily involved in sports rugby was i i, I thought i was going to be a professional uh, rugby player that was my goal that's what i thought i was going to do that's what it looked like i was probably going to do i was i was climbing the ranks pretty fast and I was really overweight as a teen, uh, and you know it's kind of it's an important part here because when I moved to college, started to cook for myself. You know, I was training twice, nearly twice a day. One maybe on pitch session, one gym session, and I was it was the first time ever that I started to watch what I was eating, watch my food, and the better I ate, the more weight that I lost, the better I looked, the more self confidence I had, and then over the space of like six, seven months, I lost like twenty five kilos. I lost a load of weight purely down to just watching what I was eating. Um, unfortunately, the weight loss was the end of my rugby career. I was no longer the prop forward. I came back as a skeleton of myself the next season. And uh, we, we worked on it for a while and I moved positions, but it was the kind of the beginning of the end for that. Um, but having cooking in college, I was meal prepping a lot of meals. That was my, my thing. I would cook like eight, 10 dinners, box them up, and I would eat them for a couple of days. A friend came to me said that he worked shift work, 12-hour shifts, and he wanted to uh, lose a bit of weight. So he said, would I cook his meals for him? I said, not a hope, man. He goes, listen, I'm studying to be an engineer. I don't even know what that is. I'm, I'm training twice a day. I'm cooking my own meals. He goes, I don't have time. He goes, I'll give you a tenner meal. And I was like, perfect. Let's go with it. Five meals a week, 50 quid. Thursday night was sorted out with the lads in Limerick. That was, uh, that was tax season and, and drinks paid for and then another friend came and he said, listen, I see what you're doing with John. Uh, can I get the same? Five meals, 50 quid. I was like, not a bother, man. 100 quid a week. At this stage, no, I really thought that I was balling. Like, I, I literally rang them and was like, man, like, you can quit your job if you want. Like, I'm making about 400 quid a month here. Um, but, you know, that's 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 how it grew. I, I accidentally started and then, you know, two became three, became four. And 10 meals became 20, became 30, became 40. And it got to the stage where I was doing 60, 70 meals. I was back at home at this stage. I needed the bigger kitchen. I would get up at like five, cook all these meals, package them down, store them, go to college, study all day, train, come home, deliver them, and then repeat. So yeah, I kind of fell into that world. But in that world, I knew that's where I was comfortable. I was, I was obviously I was good at cooking. The meals were good, and I was constantly studying the food and, and the cooking and practicing. But it was the the marketing, the sales, the social media, the business elements I loved. And then going to college to study to be a chemical engineer was the most, you know, reaffirming thing that that was not for me. I was at a desk looking at Excel sheets, whereas in reality, I had about seven tabs open where I was building a website, working on social media. And I was just kind of just there in spirit in college. But uh, behind the scenes, I, I, I was I was building a business. But yeah, it, it was just this crazy accidental journey. But I knew 
I knew from from day one, I was like, this is so much fun. Uh, and you know, I never had that moment in college. I would never sat in a lecture and be like, oh man, bioreactors are so much fun. And and you know, it was it was at that kind of moment I was like, yeah, let's 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 see what's what's in this. So definitely with a with the story there, you're the first college student I think that went to college and actually improved their nutrition. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of starting a business, it's you were very young to be doing it and doing it so successfully. Did you have any mentors or anyone you were looking up to in terms of guiding your path? Yeah, I, I did, and, and that's something I put a lot of emphasis on initially because you know I had no real knowledge or. I, I worked hard and, and I studied a lot and any hours I weren't in college, I was reading business books. I was, you know, re- listening to business podcasts. I was doing everything I could to kind of get a grasp on it, but I made a lot of mistakes uh, and, you know, and that's been the team where I've been, I'll do something, I'll make the mistakes, I'll learn from it. And then next time I do it, I'll, I'll be much better at it. Um, but yeah, I, I put a huge emphasis on reaching out to people, people that were, you know, doing what I was doing uh, and, I always say to people, people are often afraid to reach out to people that they might be in the same space, but you know, no one that I reached out to feared that I was going to be their competitor. Now, as things have had it, I probably am now, but at the time, the 17, 18-year-old student who had thoughts of starting a food business, when I spoke to other food entrepreneurs, you know, they probably thought I was just this delusional student when I was asking them their, you know, what did their production look like, you know, what's their figures, blah, blah, blah. And people are very generous with their time and with, with, their, with their knowledge. So I called, emailed everyone I can. I got everyone's email. I got everyone's number. I asked if you had information that I needed, I was going to ask you and I was going to contact you. And yeah, I suppose over the years, and I've built this huge, really beneficial base of, of advisors and mentors and people that have literally spoken to me when I was 17 and I still speak to now on a week-to-week basis on developments and on future progress and future growth. But I, I, put, a, I put a massive emphasis on that. You know, I knew I didn't know everything, so I joined networking groups. I went to, you know, the startup weekends where I could speak to mentors and, and people that are in industry, not necessarily in food, but in business. Uh, and I learned loads and, and I made loads of mistakes. But I, people people think, and I, I just, I, on a side tangent there, I remember at one of the startup weekends, it's it's an event where you go, you say an idea, and, and if it's good, people take it on and they work with you for a weekend. But... I saw people there that wouldn't pitch because they didn't want to give away their idea. And that was just baffling to me. I was kind of like, I, I met a person. I was like, oh, what's your idea? He goes, oh, I can't tell you. For fear that I'd steal it. Right? I was like, man, you're you're wasting your time here. Like, you have to, you know, you have to be willing to, to ask and, and, and run ideas by people and, and not have this fear that everyone's out to take your business model or, or your idea, whatever it may be. Obviously, if there's some, keep some details back, but... I was never like that. I was standing on rooftops shouting that this is what I was going to do. And, and anyone that could help me, thankfully did. And, and I've been really lucky to meet some amazing people that have steered me in the right direction and, and, and learned from their mistakes. And look, a lot of that, the, the adversity, the, the steep learning curve, the asking questions, the sharing of knowledge, that all probably culminated to a point when you know, you were you were put on, on the same sheet as a lot of influential entrepreneurs under the age of 30. What was that like? I mean, that must have been something that you were very proud of and still are. And obviously, you still have many years to go before you even hit 30. So what's that all like? And uh, the little bit of fame that maybe comes with that, obviously, humility is jumping out to us here straight away. But 
just share a little bit as to the feelings you're getting when you see yourself put on lists and names like that? Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not going to say that it wasn't great. I, I was delighted. Um, I'm sick and I, I can't win it again now. You can only win it once when you're in 30, so that's it. I got it at 24. And that's, that's it. it. Gone. Gone. <laughs> Six years now to wait before I can get something else. Um, but it is nice. Listen, I'm, I've been lucky. Like I've, I've, I've been recognized with awards in the past, and especially you know student entrepreneurial stuff. Be it you know whether I was uh, was just in the right place at the right time for a lot of things where I got, I've always been kind of recognised and stuff like that. But yeah, that was great. I mean, I mean you know on a national scale, it's, it's always great to be to be recognised and you know more so to be listed beside the other twenty nine people that are incredible entrepreneurs and I know a lot of them. And I know I know their businesses and to be named on the same sheet of paper as them is fantastic. For me, more so than anything, it's great for my my parents to to see that more so than anything because I took a risk when I was in college to be the engineer, you know, and, and they, to their credit, always backed me. They were like, "Listen, yeah, whatever you whatever you want to do, you do it." I never dropped out, you know, and 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 I didn't put anything at risk. But all those little things are great to kind of to show that yeah, it, it was worth it, you know, or it's working and it's continuing to work, and there's merit to this, and and. I was right <laughs> all those years, but um, yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I don't get hung up on this. It's great. To, I'm sure a man bought twenty to thirty newspapers that day and has all the clippings, and every auntie and uncle has a clipping of it. But yeah, listen, I I, I take every one of them with 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 joy and with pride, and and you know, here's here's the many more. Hopefully, definitely. I think as you should as well. Um, I want to pick your brain for a moment because. You mentioned that you learn from mistakes, you go out and make them and you try and use them to shape what you do again. Sometimes that's not easy to do. Mistakes can be painful, they can be embarrassing. Mm. Do you have a process or, or do you have a strategy that you use to look back, reflect back on these things and try and not let them happen again or improve what you're doing? Yeah, I, I would be very calculated. I'll never just do something for the sake of doing it or, or I'll never you know, willy-nilly jump into something. I most things that I do are, are incredibly thought out and calculated and I know the pros and cons and, and the potential downfalls. I've gotten better at that with age. You know, when I was 17, I didn't really do that. And it was far more enticing at the time where, you know, someone might be waving something shiny in front of your, in front of your face and they're like, oh, that's class, let's do that and let's do that. Whereas now I can kind of sit back and say, all right, let's look at the pros and cons here. You know, what am I already in? Could this jeopardize my brand, my image, other contracts, other things that I have going on? So you, you definitely learn from, from experience in that regard. But I think I've also learned to be able to kind of break down an opportunity, see where, I suppose, see number one, where I might add value. If I can't see I can add value to something, then I don't usually do it. And again, that kind of comes with, with I suppose, uh, skin in the game too, where when I was starting off, if anyone reached out to me and was like, oh, we'd love to send you something, I would have been like, oh, yeah, class, stuff, free stuff on read. Whereas now it's kind of like, it, it, will I use the product? Does it align with what I do? Is it, does the company have the same morals, same values, the same ethos, all that kind of stuff? And, and I am, I'm, I say no to far more things now than, with, uh, than I do say yes or, or accept things. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, it's a case of break it down. Does it? Does it benefit what I'm doing? Do I see a potential growth in it? Is there, you know, it may only be a PR or there may only be publicity in it, but, you know, that in itself holds merit or uh, whether there's a revenue stream or whatever it may be. I'm I'm not afraid of risk whatsoever. I'll, I'll happily chance anything once I can see potential for something to grow out of it. If I look at it and say there's no 
clear outline where this benefits me, then I'll say no. Um, but I'd never not do something out of fear, out of out of um, fear of judgment or, or fear of failure. That, that never, never bothers me because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's I'm the one who benefits or I'm the one who fails. Um, so it, again, once I'm holding myself to that standard and that, to that accountability, then it, there's there's no real panic. Of course, but when when other people are involved, you have to take them into consideration. With Country Munch, we have employees, we have staff. With with my own brand work, you know, I work with videographers and editors, so everyone needs to be take, taken into account. And but um, yeah, I, I experience time and, and and as you said there, learning from past mistakes and and doing stuff that hasn't gotten the rewards in the past you, you just you just learn to, to know the trigger signs and the warning signs yeah i love that piece about you know the risk reward and kind of striking the balance question for you now in terms of the food science and the food preparation and, and, and all the work you're doing in that space for an entrepreneur and and somebody that is on tv um probably a huge part and you can correct me if i'm wrong could be about being innovative and about being creative and maybe that's something that sometimes sets chefs apart as an example how much of a part of your philosophy and culture of of food is innovation and being creative and trying different things it's massive i'm not a trained chef and, and i always i start every day more saying hi you guys my name is on sheen i'm actually not a chef you know <laughs> coming <laughs> they, st- they stick around do they and they do thankfully uh, <laughs> whatever i say next usually they hold on but that's kind of and, and you know that's that's a really unique point because when i cook on tv or when i do these these online demos or, or cookery schools whatever it is i i'm i'm not the best chef out there i i, I would hold my hands up now and say there are far better chefs who cook on tv there are far better chefs in limerick but my strong suits are my ability to communicate my ability to showcase and to bring engaging content through food um so i'm not my job isn't to teach people or to train chefs i should say you know when i do a demo i'm not saying i'm not trying to convince people to quit their jobs and become chefs that's not what i want to do my job is to make your life a little bit easier at home and that might be true chopping skills it might be true the equipment you have at home one meal that you know a staple you can bank on or how to meal prep or it's giving people time back in the day you know one thing i always hear is people hate to cook for two hours eat for five minutes uh, and and again, my job isn't to teach people to love cooking. It's to make that less of a burden on their lives. So my 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 strong suits and the innovation to go back to your question is the is the point in keeping my content engaging, keeping it easy to digest. And I'm I'm very aware of of my audience. You know, my audience aren't classic trained chefs that are looking for confit duck or sous vide veal. They're looking for easy midweek dinners they're looking for pasta dishes they're looking for tips and tricks and, and and that's great because that's what i offer and through time and through practice and again just literally um consistency my my skill suits are out there and then my audience is attracted to that you know so um innovation is the biggest thing for me because everything is digital or everything is virtual you know people can't taste my food so they have to be attracted to the sound of it, by this, the look of it, by the idea of it. Um, so when you think of it from that regard, it's far more important that my meals, my recipes are engaging and attractive than they are tasty to a certain degree. Obviously, they have to taste good if people are trying them, but people aren't going to join my cookery course 
based on the delicious food. It's going to be based on the premise that I'm bringing them and the promise that I have for them when they finish the course, if that makes sense. Definitely. And where we can see that you're virtually connecting with people is the recent TV show. You're on Virgin Media, the six o'clock show now. Do you want to tell us about how that started, how that journey began and what you how you found it to date? Yeah, yeah, that was always a goal for me. Um, I never intended to, to start the business. I never intended to be in the food industry, to be honest. But I've always watched cooking on TV. That's where my interest was from 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 beginning. Jamie Oliver, Gordon Ramsay, all those all those TV chefs. You know, they're they're who I watched when I grew up. So when I got a taste for this, it was a clear a clear end goal was okay. I kind of I should definitely be looking at TV because as I said there. I'm not looking to work in kitchens. I don't want to be the chef who's slaving in a kitchen every day. I, I hold my hands up. I'm, I'm a fake chef. I'm a demo chef. I don't even cook in kitchens. I just cook for six minutes on TV and it looks great. Um, so when I, when I got that break, I was blessed. I was, I was only eight, 19, 20 maybe. Um, someone on the show knew of me and they heard that they were looking for a chef. So we just got virtually connected. They asked for me to come up and do an audition just two years ago nearly. Uh, it was the week of my of my birthday, and um, it you know it's, the trial went well. I I I've been doing YouTube and I've been doing social media since 2016 maybe when I was 16 17. So I've been talking to camera more than I've been talking to people for a long time. Um, so you know, on set behind the cooker, I was so super comfortable. I had done that already. Granted, it's a bigger audience and it's live, but it didn't really matter to me. So it went really well, and, and I got a break, and I got a trial run, and the trial went well, so they kind of kept on to me, and they put me on the roster, and it went from once every two months. I did a show, it went really well. Once a month, I would do a show, it goes really well. Then maybe twice a month for a while, then, you know, maybe once a week. And now, and now it's once a week. Now it's, it's incredibly consistent, and that's that's a factor of a lot of things. It's a factor of, you know, I, I, I constantly work on that craft, and, and it's where I it's where I want to be. It's it's the, by far the most exciting part of my job. It's 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 what I intended to do from day one, and, and I'm looking to have that platform now and, and to have it consistently, to, to continually grow on it and grow an audience from that, but, but work on my craft on TV. And, and, you know, bizarrely, if you asked me two years ago what it would look like, now it's all virtual. Now it's done via, via, via Skype. And when, when COVID hit last year, you know, we were forced. I couldn't go to Dublin anymore. So my segment was, you know, theoretically cut. They were saying, you know, you're not allowed to travel to Dublin, so you can't be on the show. So they said, what about Skype? And I was like, yeah, let's go for it. You know, whatever happens, happens. We did one session. I did it from my mother's kitchen. Uh, and it worked perfectly. You know, there was a kind of funny twist where Owen's at home cooking and it kind of brought everything together. And as we saw that things weren't going to open up too soon, we, we made a decision to, okay, let's let's put some, let's put a bit of investment to this because I don't see myself being back in Dublin anytime soon. So, you know, now all the chefs, we're all on our own. We're all, we're all at home. So, you know, who can do the best stream? And, and it's not competitive in to any way, but to me, it, it kind of is. Um, so then it was like, Grant, we build a studio. We we upgrade the lights. We upgrade the cameras. And now our stream is is is, is phenomenal. We have our own studio where the corporate demos are done, the TV is done, my social media is done, any live streams are done. That's in Limerick. Uh, we have two cameras set up, whatnot. So the fact that I can do that, the fact that my they can rely on me to have a good, crystal clear stream and it works, you know, every week. That's giving me far more availability beyond the show. So. You know, through adversity, I've become a far more regular appearance on the show, and, and 
you know, I, 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 I value every second on that TV. You know, I don't take any of it for granted. So I was on last night. It's a six minute segment, you know, six minutes goes really fast, but there's nothing like that kind of live buzz when you, when you hear the, the countdown in and you know you're live and there's potentially hundreds of thousands of people watching and you're just trying not to curse or, or incriminate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Say, say we're in the audience there, because we were. We did watch yesterday. Um, but question I'd have for you, a sort of different sort of angle to it. You've had such an interesting story with, with the studying, with the prop. Did you become a, a scrum half? What kind of happened there in the rugby world? Um, and kind of accidentally fell into a really successful early career in the food business. If, if you have that six-minute window next week, and you have to create a dish that kind of encapsulates that story as to when you started and where you are now. What would the dish be and why? Um, I, a huge influence on Country Munch, which is the meal prep service, was my grandmother. When, when I was in college, when I was in that first year, uh, and I said, I, you know, I lost that 25 kilos, a lot of a lot of the time before that was trudging through fad diets and, and dieting and trying everything under the sun. And I would always come home and I would meet my grandmother who was in her 80s and she only ate the food from the farm. She had her own potato garden. She had her own bed. She would eat some of the beef from the farm, the milk from the farm, uh, enjoyed a few biscuits every year and there. Everything in moderation. You know, she didn't count calories. She didn't care about her macronutrients. She didn't know how many carbs she ate. She didn't care. She was happy. She ate really well. And I would I would come home after maybe a week of being keto or low carb, the, the, diminished, and then I'd meet Nan and she's in flying form, eight years old, eating spuds, and I'm like, what am I missing here, you know? So the, you know that's what I started Country Munch, the meat prep service that was you know simple, healthy, wholesome food. We don't, we're not a calorie controlled um, meal prep service to a certain degree. Obviously the calories are on, on containers, but it's not like under 500 calorie meals or it's not high protein dishes. It's dinners. Our audience is not necessarily health enthusiasts. It's people that are time um, constrained. So uh, I'd probably stick to a team with that if I had to cook, cook a dish because a lot of my roots come from that, you know. And I would accredit a lot of my discipline and hard work comes from a farm. My, my, my father is the hardest working man that I know. Works, he, he works a... Um, uh, shift work in a factory but also as a part-time farmer uh, and every second he's a work he's a workaholic and uh, i get a lot of traits from that but a lot of what i do now i i certainly credit to, to you know being brought up on a farm and, and having to do you know labor or days or weekends working or testing cash or whatever it may be so it would definitely be a farm themed um, dish and then just the country the country like that and i lived abroad for a while i worked in italy right there as an engineer but i ended up just doing more cooking than i did engineering little bit college no but uh worked in a lot, a lot of italian restaurants so it would either be something irish homely or it would be something italian a pasta dish of some sorts sounds good irish italian happy days yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we often ask people what advice they would give a younger self but we might ask you the opposite if in say 10 years time you could talk to on sheen again what would you like to be able to say to him in terms of what he's done over that 10 years mm. In 10 years, I'll be 34. Still young. You'll be going for the 40 under 40 at that point, home. 40 under 40, yeah. yeah. Where, where we are right now. I mean, 
I've been I've been super super fortunate, lucky to. I've kind of figured it out early. You know, I was nineteen when I kind of fell into this, and I, I actually don't know what I say that now, but maybe I haven't figured it out yet. And, and things change so much, and that's the, kind of the nature of the entrepreneur, where every year is different, every month is different, every week can be different. You know, so uh, so long as I suppose two things, so long as I'm still as happy, as content, and as driven and motivated by the the end goal. I'll be happy, and also, I suppose a huge thing for me is that I'm I'm still bringing value, and that's a massive thing for what I do. Is that I can clearly see where I bring value. Uh, I get messages from people who who couldn't cook before, but now they're able to feed themselves. Um, for an example, a, a man he was in one of my cookery classes before, when we could do physical cookery classes, and. I didn't really take much notice of him. He's a middle-aged man, which was kind of bizarre. You know, the, the niche is usually female. Obviously, there's some male, or they may, may make moves and partners. But this was a middle-aged man by himself. And I, I said, love him and whatnot. And, and we smoked for a while and we, we cooked. And then when we got talking a little bit more, he kind of said that his wife had passed away during the year. And he was a father now with three young kids. And he needed to, to be able to feed them. You know, he said he never cooked much. And it completely... Like it completely changed my perspective on what I was doing there, um, because prior to that it was just you know it's a cookery class we're all having a good time. Whereas now it was this this man is is going out of his way to you know he he has to feed his family and, and he's learning new skills out of necessity, um, and he did thank God you know I mean we, that was a good class and, and he went home with some good staples in the kitchen and whatnot and, I, and we, we still touch base I gave him my number he said and he, and he helps and tips and tricks but you know I, I see that a lot I, I get lots of messages and, and I'm very fortunate again to have the outlet of social media to be able to reach anywhere anyone anywhere uh, and people message and they say you know you've, you've made life easier in your kitchen I can now I now cook a curry instead of buying the curry uh, I'm healthier I'm happier I may have lost weight I save money whatever it is so there's clear value in that, um, and and that's the biggest motivator. If there, if I, if there's no value, if I don't see myself benefiting others, then it's very hard to keep doing what I'm doing. Whereas it's very easy to get up in the morning when you know that there's there's value being there. So in ten years' time, I'd love to see that continue to grow and and, and you know find more outlets to to be I suppose to, to better to leave the place better than than the way it is now, or you know to have a, as positive an impact as I can. And you know my outlet is food, so so be it. If the positive impact is in food, then, then that's it. You know, and we we understand your model and the kind of the six minutes and the the wholesome meals that we can kind of all cook for ourselves. You, you've touched on people like you know Ramsey Oliver. The world has changed drastically. You've had to go virtual. You've had to build out and kit out that studio. What what do you see as the next big thing? in your space over the next couple of years that could be in your world maybe your world will stay somewhat the same at what you're trying to do but in terms of cooking what, what's the big thing we should be kind of looking at or maybe reading up on i'm lucky in the sense where i i, I grew up in the in the era of digital media um and you know instagram my business pretty much started on instagram i was just sharing pictures of my meals and that's where i got my first customers so there's this there's this idea that you need to be on national TV. You need to have a TV show that have made it. Where I, I nearly disagree, and I, and I think you know the audience is online. I, I, I know for a fact a popular YouTube show is far more beneficial than a popular TV show. 
even though it's different audiences, there's a different level of credibility. And I've seen that myself, you know, the exposure of national television as the level of credibility to your name that you can't buy. Having the title TV chef in front of my name, even though I never gave myself that, people call me the fella from the TV, it does have a level of credibility, you know. You're not just the young fella cooking anymore, you're the fella on the TV store, so you must be good, or you must be good at cooking, you know. Having said that, I, I see the future being digital, uh, especially now in the, in the time that we're in where everything's gone virtual. That's the way things are going. I, I'm, I, knew th- I knew virtual would be the way, and now it's funny to see the likes of Jamie Oliver's cookery school has now gone virtual. Valley Malou are now gone virtual. They're doing online cookery classes. So I don't see that leaving, to be honest, even when things open back up. When you compare my demos, my corporate demos, and that's where I go into a corporate company, I cook for the employees and you know in the past prior to COVID I would physically go into the building we would set up one of the function rooms I would set up my stand I would cook in front of everyone people can see they can smell they can hear they can taste and it's great whereas now everyone's at home in their own kitchens and we're all on a zoom link and we're all cooking together uh, and they're physically cooking they're physically tasting they're physically smelling granted the level of interaction and the level of intimacy might be down a small bit but the fact that I can get people in their own kitchens, hands-on, is game-changing. Uh, it's 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 an online cookery school without the investment of a cookery school. So for me, anyway, that's 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 the future. <clears throat> for all the that's what the the short-term future is. I I I, I always knew it would be digital. To be honest, um, national media will always have its print. You know, I, I'd love to make more of a name for myself in national media and, and get my hands on my own show or. or I suppose a more concrete footholding in, in, in on a national level, but it would be wrong of people to ignore social media, ignore the platforms like YouTube, like um, Patreon, all these ones. We're seeing now that na- we're seeing a lot of national media people switch over to there because they're directly interacting with their audience uh, and they're getting this level of intimacy that you never could have had before. And 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 to go back to the previous points where you know, the value might be far better. You know, I, I, I guarantee the value of my demos are far greater now when people can cook along at home as opposed to me trying to perform in front of them and keep their attention and keep eyes on me in a massive hall or a massive function room where it's very easy to get distracted or to lose interest. Whereas I guarantee if you're cooking at home, you have to watch that frying pan or it will burn. <laughs> things, things change, but for me, I, I, I see, you know, you just have to have to keep adapting. You have to keep rolling the punches and hope. Oh, I'm 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 looking in the sense where it's going in the right direction. That's great to hear. It sounds like a safe bet as well. Throughout the show, you've sort of mentioned and touched on areas of self identity, and in our line of work, it's something we touch on as sports medicine physiotherapists in our corporate well-being space in our mentorship platform. It's all got to do with trying to understand individual values and trying to understand yourself. You seem to have a good grasp of your own identity. I'm just wondering, how did this come about? Was it a process you undertook or was it just that it naturally fell into place for you? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I, I do. I, I spent a lot of time. The biggest the biggest um, change, I suppose, is when I moved. I left Ireland for eight months. with went to college. I went on Erasmus uh, and I worked abroad in Malta for eight months. So I moved, moved to Ireland, left all my friends, left my family. I, I moved with, with two other students. But this was kind of at the beginning stages of the business. So I spent a lot of time by myself. Um, 
and I, I do, I still keep the practices of, you know, journaling a lot and I write a lot and I was reading a lot at the time and it, it was only, you know, I think when we're with so many people or if we're constantly around people are, we're not really that self-involved or we're not really thinking much about ourselves. Whereas when I was alone or when I was working in the business, you're forced to be alone with your thoughts and, and you have time to think about them. And for me, it was, you know, I had this opportunity to maybe start a business and, you know, what does that look like and what would make me happy and, and like what, what's, what's a good life in my eyes and, you know, supporting people and whatnot. So yeah, there's a lot of, it, it's hard to describe it to be honest. Um, for me, it's, 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 you know, I wasn't very comfortable with my own thoughts and, and, journaling and reading and and becoming very clear I, I, I suppose one of the biggest things is you know I identified that the business and cooking was it was a clear passion for mine and, and there's a thrill and uh, excitement when you start the business and, and it's working so it's it's honing in on that and then you know as we said their experience and 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 consistency and time you start to see you, you start to find your own values and things that bring you joy and, and more importantly, things that don't, uh, and you avoid them like the plague, and and you just, I suppose, you keep doing what makes you happy and, and what you see benefiting others, and, and and you know that's that's your goal, that's your mission. And look, on we we've looked back and and kind of traced the origin story of it all, and we've we've looked forward and and had a look at ten years from now when you're the the good ripe old age of thirty four. Um, <laughs> Curious as to with all the the ventures you have going on, and you're obviously interested in them all and passionate about them all in equal measure. What's the more immediate point of interest on the horizon? I set up Country Munch business to not be there, if that makes sense. I never wanted to be the chef slaving in the kitchen. I never wanted to be the delivery man. When I set it up, that from day one, it was how do I continuously remove myself from this while it still works and grows, and that wasn't always the case it took me a while and again i come back to those mentors and advisors when they would speak to me they would, you know they would tell me you're working so much in the business that you cannot work on the business and and you know it's not really growing so i was you know okay i bring in a chef so we, we hired a full-time chef he comes in that frees up six hours of my day now that six hours is free i, I use that in that time to work on leads or sales or marketing and then it was a case of, okay, where else is my time being used? Delivery. Okay, cool. Get a delivery driver. Put him in there. Obviously, you have to justify the costs, and, and, and we were lucky to be able to do that and justify or justify it part-time or, or a friend who could help out, whatever it was. And then that's another two hours. So for me, just I suppose in the the kind of the real deep business and, and, and that side of things, I never wanted to be stuck in it. I'm always happier to sit on the, on the edge, look at it, look at its efficiencies, look at where it's not efficient and, and constantly be the marketing, the sales, be the face of it and, and push it in the right direction, but have the intensive labor outsourced or like in our case, you know, build a great team. The chef I brought in was a far better chef than I was. So in my eyes, the food quality improved and the business improved. So my, my, my efforts and intentions are, are not to be in the trenches of business. It's, it's, it's where I am now. It's to be, it's to be at the forefront of media. It's, you know, I, I, I truly do believe that, you know, the future will be international TV chef or personality is probably a better better word than TV chef because I, I'd i like to branch out more in, in media, be it broadcasting or presenting or, or whatever comes up. But 
it doesn't have to be national media. It has to, it's, it's, it'll be just as much digital and, and virtual as it will be anything else. But again, and that's that's maybe that's a, a facet of the self-reflection of what am I good at? You know, I, I'm good at communicating. I'm good at talking. And what do I love? You know, I love being on camera. Uh, I always have been. I love talking. I love having that outlet to, to speak. And what we're doing right now, I mean, nothing brings me more happiness than sitting down and chatting to like-minded people or just being able to, to discuss all these things. So that's 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 where I want to be in, and then that's where I plan to be in. And, you know, so long as I'm continuously improving and, and, and being consistent with it, then it's only a matter of time. Wise. On paper, on your you're a young age, but there seems to be a lot of wisdom there. So I want to try and pick one last question. Yeah, go for it. We ask everybody who comes on the show. It's about sleepy performer Pete. It's what does high performance mean to you? When I was starting off, I, I had no idea of balance or moderation. And, you know, being an 18 year old with a, a business that was working, not to a massive degree, but for an 18 year old, it was working and I was making a little bit of money and, it was just constantly go, 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 no stops, no breaks, more the better, study all day, come home, work on the business, do a bit of uh, learning, be it through cooking or business, whatever, sleep for a while, get up and go again. Uh, and even the sleep thing, that, that wasn't too great at times, but that you can only do that for a certain amount of time and, and not to go into the full story, but we, we took on a massive contract when we were very, very young uh, business-wise. We, we, we had no right in getting, but... I talked to talk and I did some jazz hands and we got the contract and it was, you know, one of the biggest mistakes we ever did because it was for a business that was probably six times bigger than us. But I portrayed this image that we could do it. Uh, and again, that was always my thing. And it still is my thing, to be honest. Like I, I'm never not going to take the risk. Uh, we, the opportunity came up. Granted, I was young and naive and I saw the, you know, it was probably the, the, the monetary value, the monetary value. And I was like, Oh my God, that's a lot of money. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll figure it out. And I came back to the lads like, all right, lads, yeah, we to do X amount of kilos of food this week, which was, you know, it was, it was preposterous. So I brought in all my friends, everyone I knew, family, friends, all in the kitchen. First shift would start at six, from six to two. So I would come in at six, open the doors, work the first shift with the crew. The crew would go home. I would stay and I would work from two to eight with the other crew. They would go home and I would stay from probably eight to 12 and finish it. Um... Some nights I would sleep in the kitchen. I would sleep for a couple of hours. Delivery would come at about quarter to five, half five next morning. I'd see it off doors when we go again. We did that, you know, we did that for about six months. Um, and I didn't look after myself what one bit. I And, you know, the every warning sign you could possibly imagine was there. Um, you know, my parents were worried. I lost a load of weight. I wasn't sleeping. I, I eventually, anyway, long story short, I, I got panic attacks. I had really bad anxiety. Um and I, I, I broke. I, I, I remember I was in the kitchen one morning and I started crying and I don't know, I didn't I, I didn't know why and like the lads were like, Are you alright man? And I'm like, I think I'm okay, but I can't stop crying. And then, you know, they're like, Go home, I go, I can't go home. I have to go get the ingredients. So I went to Musgraves, did the full shopping list, bawling crying, after cashiers, tears in my eyes. They were like, Are you okay? I goes, I'm fine, don't mind me, just scan the stuff, please. <laughs> Into the car. Brought it back, cooked the stuff, still crying, still like just, it, in hindsight, it was exhaustion. I was exhausted. I couldn't process anything. Um, and yeah, you know, I, 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 I wasn't far off being sick. You know, I wasn't far off really doing damage to myself. Uh, and I remember I came home that night to man and I was just like bursting into tears. And 
it was just like you know I'm I'm in I'm in way over my head here because I knew I knew myself that this wasn't we couldn't do this like you know we were barely getting by every week um I had no never brought cash flow into into accounts or cash flow was cut our margins were useless I was employing loads of people so I'd staff to worry about I remember we eight employees at one stage there and we we were only open about six months um. And, you know, there was a level of this is class. I'm a budding entrepreneur. I have a massive business. But then when I knew that the business wasn't working and we were barely making a few couple of cents. So, you know, it took me a while and, and I burnt out, you know, you know long story short, I, I burnt out. And and now to answer your question, you know, what, what is high performance? For me, it's it's I know those trigger, those trigger signs now. I still am the same person. I haven't really changed that much. But now... If I'm in deep, I know the warning signs. Uh, you know, my sleep might be off. I, I might feel a little bit of anxiety or stress. I have these warning signals now that I feel, and and I can I can reflect on those times and be like, oh yeah, I felt this before. This isn't good. So then that's when I now I say, okay, pull back. I'm taking a days off. I'm I'm catching up on sleep tonight. I'm heading away for a weekend by myself, no phone, and I'll be back on Monday and I'll be fresh. Um, you know, so for me, if high performance is, 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 you know, good quality sleep, I, I neglect that for so long and, and I often do, but sleep is, is the most powerful tool that I can have, especially for what I do where my image is quite important. I, I, I can't look like death when I'm on TV. I can't have bags under my eyes. Um, and, and to be articulate and to be able to speak, you need to be well rested. And, and obviously then the food side of things. You'd be amazed, even though I was in a meal prep business, I was eating like shit. I wasn't eating at all. That was the thing. I was just so busy. I was so stressed. I had no appetite. Um, so it was like this, this the floodgates opened and everything went wrong. But um, but I'm really I'm I'm really glad it happened. I, I learned a lot from that. I got a business degree in about six months, I reckon. I learned every I learned every asset of business that I ever needed to learn in that contract. And um, and I learned I learned not 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 only my 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 um, persistence and discipline, you know, to an incredibly high standard there, but also the trigger, the trigger warnings and the signs when I know now I need to take a step back, I need to pull the brakes a little bit, or you know, shit will hit the fan. Uh, pardon my French again, if 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 things aren't under control. Unchi, and thanks very much for sharing so many stories and and really opening up to the two of us today. We we've learned a lot from you. We've taken a lot from you huge admirers of, of your work and, and fans. So just wishing you all the very best, especially with, with the times we have here in Ireland and uh, stay fit, stay healthy. And thanks again for your time today. My absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt h-a-u-o-r-a life.com please rate review and share the podcast some people want it to happen some wish it would happen others make it happen the goat michael jordan